Hey guys, welcome to the Bagging Boardcast, episode number 433. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out January 20th, 2021. Now we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic, and we're going to be taking a look back for the last time. You'll never hear us talk about 2020 again, uh, but it's our monthly look back for December 2020 comic books. And we're going to be talking about Transformers Back to the Future number one, Batman Catwoman number one, Modoc Head Games number one, and Justice League Endless Winter number one. Well, I'm sure we'll have to do a look back at a you know one of those great 2020 movies that came out, right? Uh-huh. You know when? <clears throat> yeah. Oh, uh, that makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm no drinking... movies came out. Exactly, like I predicted. <laughs> Left Hand Brewing Company's Chai Milk Stout. Uh, this is uh, out of their Milk Stout 12 pack. I think you can get this outside of that as well, right? Yes, right now yeah. this is uh, this is out right now. This is out right now, and this is great. It hits you with that uh, nice cardamom. Cinnamon, you know, chai tea kind of flavors. I don't know if cardamom is a flavor. I just said it. Uh, I really like it. It's really nice. It's it's scratching that itch, that um, that lingering itch that I have from chai chai tea chai tag from uh, Dogfish Head. Chai tea, chai tea from Dogfish Head. I really like that. That wasn't a milk stout. That though. That what was it? Was I think it was just an ale, wasn't it? Yeah. But it was with such uh, chai tea flavors. Uh, this is great. I'm upset that it's a limited, limited, limited. That's what it says on top of the can. But uh, hopefully people will really like this and they'll make it a, um, a seasonal release or something. It's a seasonal release. It's out right now. It's, it's limited. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a limited yeah, release. It's, it's, seasonal I release. Is a, yeah. Paul, I'm pretty sure you had it two years ago. Because last time Paul, I... Paul, check your untapped. Oh... Paul, uh, See, Paul, that's why I like having it, and that's why I always try to tell you to use it. Paul, uh, say pullover. Pullover? No, it's a cardamom, thanks. Oh. It's from, what are you drinking, John? It's from Dumb and Dumber, and the cop says pullover, and he goes, no, it's a cardigan. But you did that whole cardamom thing. Oh. <laughs> what are you drinking, John? Uh, I'm drinking from Zero Gravity... They're extra stout, 5.9% stout. Uh, it says bold and roasty on it. And it is a decent extra stout. Um, it The flavors continue to build kind of after you've taken your sip. The, the flavors still build on your tongue. The beer itself for being a, a stout, the, the liquid feels thin in your mouth. Um, but the flavors that build on your tongue are really good. I'm glad it's, I think it's only like 10 bucks for a four pack. It's good, but at the same point, I could get any other stout and be almost as happy, if not happier with it. Um, it's good. I'm not sorry that I have it, but I don't feel like I need ever need to have it again. Mm. 
Chris, Chris, are you drinking uh, beer? I am drinking a beer. And this is, a, keeping with the theme from the last couple episodes, this is another one that Paul sent me uh, in my Christmas present from 42 North Brewing. And this is their Goza Five Years. And this is a Blackberry Blueberry Goza. And it's a very interesting, like, boysenberry pie color. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like rosy, but like there's like a mealiness to the color. Um, blueberry, blackberry. It's not overly tart. It has a nice little bit of tart, but then it's also a nice like sweetness to it. I really enjoy this. Um, I was expecting it to be a little bit more like tart, sour berry. Uh, it's definitely nice. Just a nice kind of like earthy sweetness to it. And it this would be a, a delicious pie. Like I just imagine like taking a sip of this beer and then being like, Ooh, I got a seed stuck in my teeth. Like it, this is fantastic. So thank you, Paul. Yeah, that was, that was really good when I've, I had that one a little bit ago. They just re-released it. I know like when Paul picked it up, but yeah, it was, it was really good. And it does say on the side made with vanilla and graham crackers and then Belma dry hop six, per, 6.4% ABV. Hmm. Nice. Yeah, I, I'm really enjoying this one. So. <coughs> yeah. You know what else I enjoy? Talk about the news. Oh, and what a week of news, guys. We don't even need to go to the garden. No, it just it just came right in on its own. Uh, we're not, of course, good. We're talking about geeky news, people. Geeky news. Uh, and uh, Ubisoft announced that they're working on a op- massively open world Star Wars game. Apparently EA... Uh, signed a deal that was supposed to last about 10 years back in 2013. So that would mean that they would have the Star Wars license until 2023. But, uh, but hey, LucasArts said, LucasFilm says that they're beginning a new era of games development in uh, collaboration with the finest studios across the industry. And they announced earlier um, a new Indiana Jones game developed by Wolfenstein, the New Order uh, creators, or game studio, uh, Machine Games, published by Bethesda Studios. So, I know, I'm excited more so, I think, for the Indiana Jones game than I am a most massively open world uh, Star Wars game. Is that just because you played played Star Wars Galaxies 4 and that was it? But have you played uh, Knights of the... Kotor, whatever the new one is. I didn't play Old Re- the Old Republic. Republic one and two. I never played uh, Star Wars: The Old Republic. Okay, that's what I could remember. What it was called? Um, I tried to get into it a little bit, and I'm like, you know what? I just don't have enough room in my life for two MMOs. And every time I play another MMO, I'm like, I should just go play WoW. Like I should get back on WoW. I should play some WoW. And that's how. <coughs> oh, I'm. We talked about it a little bit before show, but I'm on vacation this week, and I've just been trying to like do my Covenant stuff, uh, doing my Torghast runs, so it's just a lot of like endless content for me right now. But yeah, yeah I completely understand that. Like, I don't think I'd ever be able to like pick up another MMO. I would really like to play Knights of the Re- Knights of the or uh, the Old Republic. It's just. It, 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 it kind of feels like it's an endless game with all the expansions and everything. I wish they came out with a like a standalone, streamlined like just give me the story, like the mainline story that I could play through without all the side quests, without all the crazy leveling, and just let me play like a non-online version of that game. 
and I, I would really appreciate that, and I would jump in. I would buy that in a heartbeat. But a lot of those open-world games, like Skyrim especially, like, I never do the main quest. I always do all the side stuff first, and then I do, like, the main quest. Um, so I, I can... I. I see where you're coming from, but me as a player of those games, I wouldn't do it that way. Yeah, that's part of the fun is getting lost in all that side content, like extra and stuff. And that's good in a like a offline, non-massively multiplayer online game. But with that, the MMO kind of thing, like you need to be the highest level per you know that you can be. You got to be in the max level, and then you got to have all the right gear before you even get to see like the main story beats. You know that are hidden away in dungeons and raids and stuff like that. So that's why I'm like, <clears throat> I'm kind of interested in the Star Wars game coming out from Ubisoft, but I don't know, the Indiana Jones game, that seems more digestible that I can just kind of play through. But wouldn't that be just as open world, don't you think? No, because they didn't say it was open world. It seems more like an action-adventure game. At least I'm hoping. See, I would like it to be a, like... Almost like a Red Dead 2, Red Dead uh, 2, Red Dead with, Indi- with Indiana Jones being able to go, he can go here, he can start doing like all the missions and find all the idols on this island, and then he can go to this other one and not, and skip this other one and do the other one last, and I think that would be kind of, in my mind, more fun for a... Uh, for an Indiana Jones game versus like those, like a, I'm I'm playing uh, the latest Tomb Raider game right now, and that one is just like you're just pushed down this path. You just go forward the whole time. There's no nothing open. Like you can't like go and do crazy stuff in the jungle. It's just like streamlined, sent down a path. And I kind of like being able to choose where I go, or choose what part of the adventure I want to be on. I've never actually played any of the Indiana Jones games, so I know, maybe maybe if this one's supposed to be good, I'll dabble, but I don't know, probably not. I still haven't even gotten into like the most recent Borderlands expansions. Like I've been really behind on that game, so... That's the news, everybody. <laughs> no, I mean, there was some other stuff that was discussed and talked about this week, but nothing that was really, like, that big. Like, nothing I was like, oh, man, I can't wait to talk to the guys about this kind of thing, you know? Yeah, usually between shows, we message each other, because we have a group message for the three of us, that we'll message different news that we saw break. Someone passed away an article that we saw and I don't even think I saw anything that was worth even being like, Oh, Hey guys. Can I do a, Oh, Hey guys. Uh, so with the end of death metal, they basically, I'm going to spoil the end of death metal. Hope you guys don't mind. I don't mind, but do our listeners mind? Okay. Uh, um, spoiler. So, Take that as you will, listeners, uh, for the end of a comic book I haven't ever, uh, even read. Yeah, I haven't read any of it, and yeah. I feel like I it didn't has not, miss out. It has not interested me at all. But the ending 
basically is, hey, we're going to restart the multiverse again. And that's the end of it. Does that make you more interested in reading Death Metal, knowing that it's basically a way for DC to bring back the multiverse and hypertime? No. Because they no. could have just done that anyway. <laughs> I didn't really even realize that it was gone. Okay. Yep, that's all I wanted to hey guys. Okay. <laughs> so, uh... <clears throat> list? The list? Yeah, we can head into the list, because I still got, like, half of my beer left over here. Yeah, we... Normally, oh, I, I started a new one! Normally we're halfway through. I'm, I'm okay. I can take it slow. I got work in the morning, so... I got work in the morning. I don't. I'm on vacation. But these are the books coming out that we're looking forward to January 20th. 2021. Paul, Chris, what are you looking forward to? You know what? Talking about the end of the multiverse and everything, uh, I'm looking at the project that was going to be what actually came out of, I guess, some sort of weird event. Uh, and the start of a new new uh, run for the DC Comics. You know, their fifth generation, their 5G, thanks AT&T. Um, this is Immortal Wonder Woman, Future State, number one, or part one. And uh, this, and why I'm really interested in it is I've enjoyed some really good Wonder Woman stories, so I'm hoping for a good one here. This is Wonder Woman, Diana Prince, at the end of time, battling along with, uh, I guess, Darkseid. And it's being written by M- uh, Becky Cloonan and Michael Conrad. So, see how that goes. And there's a backup story uh, about Nubia, the first, uh, the a uh, coming, you know, closer not at the end of end of time, but I guess in the actual future state, and how uh, she's dealing with things. I don't know. But, uh, it's Wonder Woman having the uh, with the bat belt that you that man's utility belt. So what up? It's fun. Chris, uh, are you looking forward to a future state book? I am, and that's going to be Future State Nightwing number one, written by Andrew Constant, art by Nicola Scott. Uh, much like my pick for last week, uh, Robin Eternal, this one seems to be taking place kind of in the more current future of the DC universe. Um, it just notes that Batman's gone, so now it's falling on, uh, Nightwing to settle some stuff going on, uh, in an abandoned Arkham Asylum. I don't know, it's, it's a Nightwing book. I don't know if I'll pick up anything past number one for these future state books, um, I think they're going to have to really wow me if they want me to stay on however long this little like imprint's going to last for because I've been bad at buying comic books recently and I haven't even bought any of the more recent issues of Nightwing within the past probably like year, year and a half. Like I've just been kind of letting stuff pile up, waiting for it to go on sale for like two bucks an issue before I buy stuff en masse. So we'll see. We'll see how it's going to go. John? Yeah, uh, I'm kind of in the same boat. Some of them seem really interesting and are worth checking out. And then uh, you have Future State Shazam number one. Uh, I enjoy the Shazam family. I know that I made it sound like a dig right there, but uh, I enjoy Shazam books. I like Shazam. And uh, this one, Billy Badson has been missing in action after a final battle on Titan's Island. And now he's leading a small band of heroes against 
monsters and protecting the world, but nobody really knows uh, the sacrifice that he's made to keep the world from ultimate evil. Um, worth checking out. It's by Tim Sheridan, art by Eduardo Pasquia, and um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Hmm. 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 And boy, did we ever take that little minor pause to get our next beers. Um, for me, I have something from Sideward Brewing here in Orlando, Florida, and this is actually a beer that I picked up in the lead up to Christmas. This was the beer that I actually had on Christmas day as we were just like hanging out in the apartment after opening up presents and just watching like Christmas movies and specials. And this is their orange rolls. And this is an orange cinnamon roll sour. Mm. Um, Apparently orange cinnamon rolls are a thing. Yeah. A lot of people make, I've never had one before. Um, I think they're probably a little bit better than this beer. Because uh, when I see orange cinnamon roll sour, I was expecting like orange cinnamon vanilla, like a like caramel. It does have a lot of that kind of like orange zest like, flavor to it, but there's not a lot of those other flavors that I really wanted to it. And not to say that this is bad, because I mean this is the last one of the four pack that I have. I definitely drank like two of these on Christmas Day. Had no issues with it. It's an enjoyable beer, but. I just wanted more of like an orange vanilla, like a caramel. Like I wanted everything kind of like wrapped together with a nice little bow. And ultimately what I get is just a lot of, a lot of like orange zest with kind of like a biscuit malt to it, which isn't bad, but I, I think I've had better versions of beer like this that, this could have been. Yeah, that's disappointing. But I don't know what I would want out of a a sour. You know, I hear orange cinnamon, cinnamon roll, and I I would think, oh, stout. I would think, you know. So when you said sour, I was like, oh, <laughs> interesting. I don't know if I would pick it up. Um, cider does a lot of sours and IPAs and they do have like a few different stouts. Um, their stouts have all been really good, but the sours are pretty hit or miss. Um, recently when we, on new year's day, we all had the brace face, which was their lime coconut Berliner vice. And that's, it's just straight up lime juice. Like the cherry limeade, which was pretty much like the exact same thing. I did not send that to you guys. Um, I drank one of those myself, and then I sent one to my mom and one to my uncle. And that was very much the same thing. Like, the cherry helps with it, but, again, just <laughs> a lot of, like, lime tart that just kind of like, knock out the rest of the flavor. <clears throat> uh, and I'm drinking something that I got for Christmas. Uh, one of my reps gave me this, and this is Equilibrium's Sparticle Beam. Uh it's a Dippa, and it's coming in at 8.5%. Um, what I do enjoy is on the can, it says, help us ensure cold chain, purchase cold, trade cold, keep cold. If it's not cold, ask why. Which I thought was kind of interesting to have on your can. Um, not just thinking you're going to buy it. You might buy it from somebody uh, or trade for it. Um, but this beer is 
delicious. The there's I can't it like in the description of the beer it says like dank pineapple citrus um, stone fruit, but there is I don't know if it's like uh, what is it like leche not uh, milk in uh, um, but like the fruit the lychee oh lychee lychee it kind of tastes like a lychee I can't I cannot put what the flavor reminds me of, but it's got this really unique taste to it. I, I mean, we've been talking since I opened the can for maybe like 20 minutes and like, I'm almost through it. Like it's one of those things, like I just want to keep taking sips of it, but I'm pounding an eight and a half percent beer and I shouldn't be, you know, I got another beer to drink after this. Um, Absolutely uh, delicious. I've only had a couple <laughs> beers from Equilibrium. Paul, I think at one time I had Equilibrium that we shared um, at a game night. I don't really remember. Check your Untapped. You probably have it written down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, just about everything I've had from them has been really amazing. And I've been pushing to get them into our stores really hard. Um, be just for my own satisfaction to be able to take home a beer from them anytime I want, uh, would be awesome because their beers are just really great. Paul, what do you got? I would check my, uh, untapped, but unfortunately people I work with and started following me on social media and then were always like commenting on my untapped back in the day. So that's kind of one of the reasons, you know. I, I didn't want it to uh, impact my future employment. It would be kind of silly for me to do that, knowing my bosses were looking at it. It'd be like storming a government building and so live, live tweeting the event. So your bosses that are on Untapped are seeing your Untapped check-ins? That I was drinking a lot more than they were. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I'm drinking uh, Left Hand Brewery's Raspberry Milk Stout. Uh, this is really nice. It's got that nice raspberry tartness. It's not overly sweet at all, but it's and it's got that nice milk stout mouthfeel. Oh, you know, it's not a nitro, but I would really love this on a nitro. I think it's um, you know, it just feels thick. It's I'm enjoying both. I've enjoyed both of these so far. I might actually take you know, kind of split because I'm got have both the cans half the cans left so maybe they would make a nice like little mix i don't know i would say crazy with that paul i would say the peanut butter and the raspberry would do well together and i also got the dark chocolate or whatever and the dark chocolate the the combination i would think would be the least appetizing would be chai and raspberry Dark chocolate yeah, I mean, raspberry. I don't, I don't think that would be bad, though. Yeah, I would think like a chai with uh, with a couple squirts of the raspberry flavor in there. I think that'd be good. Yeah, but everything else would be better. <laughs> yeah. I'm in, I'm in complete agreement with you on that, John. But yeah, I don't think the like, the chai and the raspberry would be bad. I just have those two open right now, and it would be easy for me to just. Hey, nobody's 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 stopping you from opening this, your third beer ahead of time. Yeah. No. But nobody's stopping me from uh, mixing these two right now. All right, yeah. do it, do it. Two can, two can mouth, Paul. 
It's two can mouthful. That was going to go all over myself. There you go. But speaking about all over yourself, it's time for us to pour our dramatic reading all over ourselves. (laughs) It's the worst segue we've ever had. And now, a dramatic reading from Seven Secrets, number five, page 20, panel two. Everything we sacrificed was worth it. In this is our moment. I admit it. You were right. That was a dramatic reading from Seven Secrets, number five, page 20, panel two. That long pause at the end made me nervous. I'm like, did he forget a word or something? Uh, I did when I uh, when when Chris paused like that. I did look at it as like, oh, I forgot to say that guy's name. <laughs> yeah, I'm on. <laughs> okay. I was I was just into uh, the reading. I didn't feel like I needed it. It's okay. I sat down and I read like the last three issues of Seven Secrets the other night. After like picking as one of my favorite books from 2020, I was like, I do need to catch up on this because I had already like downloaded them as we were talking about our favorite books of 2020. And then I was like, oh, the there's there's not another one ready yet. Um, that book picks up real quick too. I I really dig it. I can't wait for the next one. Um, but that's not a book we read for December 2020. Like we said up at the front of the show, time for our monthly look back. We're talking about some of the number one issues that we bought and read and forced our friends to read. Uh, for this little recurring segment that we do, and Paul, we're gonna start off with your book. If you want to uh, introduce it. Oh man, I, I should introduce it. This is uh, I, this was kind of described as a throwback comic book to the old school uh, days. You know, it's written by uh, Ron Martz, right, and uh, co-written by I don't have it open. Andy Lanning, Andy Lanning, who I love from uh, Abbott and Lanning, and the art's done by you know Howard Porter, old classic early aughts. You know, we we loved his work. And uh, I was like, how can we go wrong here? This is Justice League, The Endless Winter. And uh, this feels like a classic Justice League, just a run-of-the-mill Justice League monthly issue. It's, it's and it also book. felt like it wouldn't end. <laughs> All right. Uh, I just like the throwbackiness of this of this book. Like, for it to be like a miniseries, I'm like, okay, I'm in. Know for a, it feels like a '90s or early aughts, late '90s Justice League book. But like, that's that's the thing, like because this does very much feel like you said, like the early aughts Justice League, um, and it does seem like it's going to be that miniseries. But then it says "Endless Winter Continues" in the Flash number seven sixty seven at oh. the end of it. So. It's like a miniseries, but it's still going through like some of the main books in the DC universe. Um, it doesn't say what else you need to pick up after that to get the next chapter. So who knows? Maybe it'll be Endless Winter number two, and then like the third part will be in something else. But yeah, it's. I was kind of surprised to see this branching out into the actual main. DC Universe. Because at first I thought this was going to be like a Black Label 
or just like self-contained miniseries. Yeah, I really thought it was. I, I even missed the continue on the Flash <coughs> 762. That actually happened? Did it continue? Is I I don't know, Paul. If anyone was going to buy the Flash number 767, it's probably going to be you. So did, <laughs> did that happen? And the other thing that I'm confused about, do, does anybody <clears throat> actually call Flash by his name? Is that... Is that Barry? That is Barry. Is um, when he's running back to like civilization with Superman, they're having like their discussion about like, mm-hmm. you know, how do you do it all? How do you juggle everything? And Superman does refer to him as Barry. And okay. Rena, I was like, this doesn't feel like Barry in this book. It feels very much mm-hmm. like Wally, where it's like, I, I, how do you juggle all this? At this point, like. Barry Allen's been a superhero for like 40 years. Like right. it's a bizarre like sticking point for the character. Yeah, that, that's why I was like maybe it is Wally, but the, you know the DC universe has screwed up Wally West so much right now with him being like a killer and everything. I'm like and I'm like, you know what? It doesn't matter. None of this book is just enjoy it for the throwbackiness of it. Like <laughs> you got the stag enterprise, like video screen cyborg people, you got you know the, these four schlub uh, villains, Catman being one of them, and I'm like, hey, I remember liking Catman yeah. and Villains United. Hey, I'm right back in. This is great. You got the what's her name? I, you know, Rampage. Cool. Yeah, uh, Rampage, the Icicle, Multiplex, um. It doesn't seem like it's a villain team that needs all of the Justice League to be there, though. Yeah, when I saw it was the Flashing Lantern taking them down, I'm like, cool, we'll probably see like what the rest of the team's doing in, uh, on another page. And I'm like, oh, the rest of the team's here. Cool. <laughs> I didn't like that they made... There was a lot of work to make Catman not a schlub villain, and then they kind of made him a schlub villain again. Uh, it's been 20 years. <laughs> You know? Yeah, but like, I, but do something better with that character. Not like the whole reason like they threw that character in to make him like a cool character again was because he just was like they made him a fat guy on a couch pulling crimes. You know, like mm-hmm. so. I enjoyed Catman went with the Villains United with um, Secret Six and 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 those and so I was like oh. You could have put any character, any schlub character in there, but why take my Catman down a peg or two? Uh, <clears throat> I it think it really this... doesn't seem like it matters what villains they put in that scene at all. Like, yeah. You could have had like Toy Man in there and have it be the same thing because it's mm-hmm. basically just an excuse to get the Justice League to show up all in one spot for mm-hmm. ultimately something that doesn't even matter. Like that heist doesn't. Yeah, where they took over. Matter. They took over the island, yet all the police show up to them, fight them. And you got a weird multiple man, you got a ice character, and then, um, uh, what's her name, who is a, a more known Rampage. character? Rampage. Um, if this had been a little more, I think if it was a little tighter, and you're going to have the throwback to the three, um, Tell Adam, the something knight, and uh, 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 Valiant. This is Valiant uh, Knight. 
the Viking Viking the prince. Vi- Viking prince, and then um, uh, Hippolyta. Hippolyta. If it was a book split between the current Justice League fighting that character and them doing it with and Swamp Thing and Swamp Thing, like yeah, go for it, Chris. Um, I feel like at that point I would just would have been like, man, you know what book did this better? Any of the Thor books by Jason yeah. Aaron. Like, there's I, <laughs> but there's ton of there's tons of books out there, but all this filler that's in this book, like you said, those villains meant nothing. It was just to bring the team together for then the team to break off, for them then to team up again in you know in Antarctica, like. Everything that happens it, in this everything book, just could have been in Antarctica, where Superman realizes, oh, where I had the Fortress of Solitude before I moved it, which is a thing that happened that I didn't know about because I don't read Superman books. Yeah. He could have just had some sort of proximity alarm go off that, like, oh, people are disturbing the grounds of the Fortress of Solitude, like, and then the Justice League shows up to that, like. The whole first half of this book doesn't need to exist. It doesn't. And the Flash going around talking to everybody, trying to figure out how to balance being a superhero in his life. You're the the fastest man on Earth. I think you can get it done. I think you can spend some time with your lady and be a superhero. Because you're the one that could do it. You're the fastest man alive. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, It just, like... I just couldn't, I couldn't get into this book. And then when I saw at the end, like what they were doing with it, I was like, why wasn't this what the book was about? Yeah. And that's what like, that's what I disliked about this book. Cause by the time I got to the end of it, I go, this isn't, this isn't a book about, you know, Barry finding time to be with his family. This isn't a book about this or that, that you saw throughout this. This book is about, the winter guy coming up and trying to take over the world and then showing how he was defeated by the previous superheroes however many centuries ago. So if that's what the book's about, make the book that. If that's what it was about, I would have enjoyed it more. I would have hung around for issue two. But I I just, by the time I got to that, I did not care and I really was just trying to read it to get done with it it I at the beginning I did appreciate that kind of throwbackness where it's the Justice League interacting together as people like they're doing their job but then they're having those side conversations where it's like yes we have lives outside of this like that felt very early and I say early, but when we started reading Justice League, Justice League, like the Grant Morrison, Howard Porter, like Justice League stuff like that, that felt right. And then seeing this book was written by, well, in part by Ron Mars, like, okay, that's kind of that, like, 90s, like, bring in the relationships to the superhero story. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> None of that matters, though. Like, Literally everything that they're building between these characters doesn't matter by the end of it. And like, yeah, that could be a continuing storyline in the second one. Like, cause you do have some good character moments between like 
the Justice League and the Flash and Superman as they're running across the globe to like get back home. And but it just doesn't matter. And does somebody need to reach out to Pendleton Ward, the creator of Venture Time, that you know they stole the Frost King and the Ice King? Like they still stole that character. Yeah. He's got a. He's got a. You know. He's got a. There's a penguin standing next to him in this panel. I mean, um, I don't know. Like the ultimate, like overarching story, isn't enough for me to care about it. And then also there was a moment in this book, and I sent it to you guys in our group thread, where I was just like, "This art doesn't work," and it kind of set me down a little bit of a rabbit hole um, because. And I'm on the page right now. If you are on Comixology, it is going to be page um, page number 16. And it's actually The Flash at Home with Jefferson Pierce at Christmas time while they're decorating a tree. And Jefferson Pierce, who is Black Lightning, is shorter than the tree, holding a box of ornaments. And his arms are super long. Like, if they were extended and he wasn't holding that box... His hands would be down past his knees. But then his like teenage daughter who's kneeling down is up to his waist. His other teenage daughter is like a head shorter than him. The proportions are completely off on this. And John, you made mention too that the artwork's very inconsistent. Like some of it's good, some of it's just there, and then some of it's bad. Um, during my quick research, after seeing this panel being like, this isn't the Howard Porter art that I remember from him being in Justice League. And then, like, the Jeff Johns Flash stuff. Um, it turns out back in 2008, he did severely damage his hand, which led to him stopping uh, comic book art for a while. And he became, like, a school bus driver until, like, his hand was able to, like, <coughs> be repaired and, like, he worked on drawing again. And I think that's incredible that he was able to overcome that because the art, for the most part, is pretty good, but it's just the proportions on this page and then other ones after just, like, throw me off so, so much that and it I have became to say, distracting. And, like, there's panels, too, like, um, on page 19, the panel one there, where it's, like, those ice creatures attacking the building. Like, there's so much, there's a lot of detail in that. It looks, yeah. it looks really good. Um, but even like the panels where the Flash is running with Superman, and you have two panels of Superman like right next to each other, he looks different from panel to panel. Yeah, he, it's just it, like the consistency of it. Um, like the Aquaman panel, I think looks really good with the octopus. Like, there's some that look really good, but there are some that are just like, ooh, um, and you know it. I think there's enough good stuff art-wise in this, but like wh when I was reading it, I was just trying to get through the book that I wasn't even really noticing the, the art as much. There were some things that popped up. I think when uh, the villains are on the top of um, the building in the beginning, like there's a couple things in there, but... It just, it just, I don't know. This book just didn't do it for me all around. I thought it was going to be a fun throwback. I, I enjoyed it. 
a lot more than both of you, uh, but that's okay. I, I, I read it and I didn't think it needed to come off the table, so. No, it's, hey, there was some promise to it, but ultimately just, it just kind of falls apart in that execution. Yeah. If you want to read a good book like this, just any of the Jason Aaron Thor stuff. Uh, I do think it's funny that we all bought Batman Catwoman. Did we all really? Yeah. I think we did. Because we were all like, didn't somebody say they were going to buy it? I don't think anybody bought it yet. I'll buy it. I bought it when I saw it because I was like, oh, I'll grab that for the podcast. And then Chris was like, oh, I I put my books up for the month. And I was like, oh, he bought it too. And then reading Justice League, I was like, oh, so did Paul. I didn't Uh, see that. But uh, next book, John, we'll throw it over to you. And then after yours, we'll take our pause to get our next beers uh, before we head sure. into like, my two. So, John, uh, Modoc Head Games number one. Tell yeah, us about I'm, it. Uh, so this is uh, spinning out of uh, Patton Oswald's um, Hulu TV sh- series as well. Uh, and this is written by him, and I'm signing into Gordon Cor- Blum. You want, me, you want me to do it? I got it right here. If you got it right there, I wasn't expecting yeah. it to get thrown over to me. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> Gordon Plum and Patton Oswald, as John said, and artist uh, Scott Hepburn, colorist Carlos Lopez, oh. letters DC's Travis Laham. You, you got it open yet, or should I keep going? The, the app is taking a while here. Here we go. Sorry, uh, uh, so... <laughs> um. So this book is something's happened to Modoc where he's remembering something that happened that he believes never happened because Modoc is the greatest computer mind, greatest mind ever, uh, and it shouldn't happen. He's run diagnostics. He's he's done everything that he can, and this is AIM turning its back on him and him trying to get out so he can then come back and take over aim once again. Um, Modak's one of those characters that I've never really cared about. He never really pops up that much in any comic books that I read, but I had a lot of fun with this book. Um, I loved how much of an a-hole Modak is. I love that everybody's betrayed him. I loved him fighting his way out and wearing the Ant-Man helmet and having Spider-Man's web shooters. Like, it just was fun. It kind of makes me want to check out the TV show. I think I sent when the trailer came out for that, which was like just a clip of the first um, (laughs) beginning of it. It's very robot chicken-esque. Um but I figured when I saw the book, I figured I would check it out. Just something fun for us to do, and I had fun with the book. I wasn't expecting I, I wasn't expecting anything out of this book, but I had a good time with it. And Modoc stands for what again? Mental organism design. Mental organism designed only for killing. New designed only for killing. I can never remember the M. So mechanized or mental. Mental. That's why his head's so big. Oh, yeah. this was fun. 
but that's about it. Like, that's all I got. Like, it's, yeah, he, he's daydreaming constantly about, like, maybe a family life, but also his daughter is a Modoc. So is he remembering? So I didn't get that he was remembering things. I, I thought he was, like, daydreaming about a life he could have. But maybe he is remembering the life uh, he did have, and it's kind of warped. Yeah, and I don't know if that's where it's tied into the TV show, because I think in the TV show he's got a family. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't watched the show. Um, I don't know. I enjoyed that little, like, two-minute clip from the MODOK show, and I was expecting to get a little bit more of that kind of, like, goofy fun coming into this book, especially because it was written by Pat Oswalt, who voices MODOK in the show, and... I think the book here just tried to play it a little bit too straight. Um, yeah, there is some like weird fun to it, but there's not enough to make me be like, oh, I'm enjoying like reading this. Like the scene where he raids like the AIM archives where they've like uh, backwards. I, I can't remember how he says it, but like basically, uh, like yeah, they take back, like the superhero, engineers. yeah, backwards engineer, like superhero technology, and he has like Captain America's shield and like some Deadpool bombs. That's that's a fun moment, and then it, the book ends with him like going to meet Tony Stark, where he's like, eh, "Something's wrong." Um, but there just there wasn't enough fun to make me enjoy reading it. And I know you guys didn't like the Taskmaster book as much as I did, but I think Taskmaster was a lot more kind of like jokey fun than I got from this. And I would have expected this to be kind of more like hoo hoo ha ha based off of that teaser that we got from the Modoc show. Sorry, Patton Oswald. There was one part near the beginning where, uh, yeah, everybody's kind of reprimanding a Modoc at the board meeting. And he's like, yeah, I just made back all that money you say I lost. You know, plus 12% interest by, you know, causing all these lap brain blah, blah, blah laptops to burn. And then at the very end of that, there are guys, there's a guy that stands up and says, my grandmother uses that kind of laptop. I got to call her right now. That joke was what I was expecting, like, throughout. And we got that once. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I don't know if he was, this was going to be the more serious side of that goofy comedy that he was doing. Mm -hmm. I had fun with it. I wasn't, ex I wasn't expecting anything from it. Not that I'm trying to defend it. Um, if this was a one shot, I, I'd be super happy with it. I think if it's a light, if I'm looking for something to do, I might pick the trade up when it's on sale. Like it's four bucks for the trade. I would do it, but I had, I had fun with it. I will say, for a character that I don't care about at all, the most I've ever had anything to do with MODOK is when I walk through the uh, Marvel superhero island at Islands of Adventures at Universal because there's a giant MODOK on the side of one of the buildings where Captain America's throwing <laughs> a shield at him. Um, I don't think I've actually even read maybe one other comic book but anything that's ever actually had Modoc in it, because it just seems like a character that people don't know what to do with. And it seems like that, uh, like uh, the production company, it's like stupid monkey that Seth, uh, 
Seth Green owns that's doing like the Modoc show. It seems like that's kind of the best path to take that character onward. Yes, you acknowledge that the character is ridiculous and out there and kind of like stupid fun. Like you, you can't have like a good comic with that character in it. So you lean into like that kind of like goofiness of it. Like I don't think you go the opposite way and you're like try like justify the character as a villain. I don't know. He's the Avengers answer to the X Men's Deadpool. At that point, like he's just there, like crossing around the Avengers corner of the Marvel Universe in a zany, over the top, comical, overly violent kind of way. I see. I think Deadpool's like it's its own thing. Like I don't think you can have anybody else kind of like fit that mold. But I think it works in a medium outside of comics with, like, Modoc in that show where it's like, oh, he's like this, like, the dad who's like just trying to make things work at, at the AIM offices. It's kind of like Emperor Palpatine in Star Wars versus the Emperor Palpatine that you get in like the Lego Star Wars stuff, where it's like, mm-hmm. it's a very different character. But he's a lot of fun in the Lego Star Wars stuff. And you kind of get that jokiness that it works in that mind frame versus in actual Star Wars. Like, you couldn't have him do that. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what my point is with that. Without any cruelty. Yeah. Right? Like, he's he's more of a... He's not a... Well... Kind of he's a floating. Like he's a lo- he's a he's a floating giant head buffoon. Yeah. yeah. I just beat him up in the ultimate ultimate alliance games. That <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I don't like Chris said. I I don't think I've ever really read a comic book where he was in if it in it if he wasn't just in the beginning where the superhero beats up a villain. Beats up a villain in the beginning, but the main story is going to be about, you know, Captain America being poisoned by blah, blah, blah. You know, like, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't... I don't know. I just kind of wish it had leaned further into, like, the jokiness than just, like, kind of, like, playing it cool. Like... I thought they could have gotten a lot more humor about the drag out fight between him and what's her name? Monica? I, I don't even know. Yeah, something like that. Because it could have been more of that like kid playing in a, a sandbox. You know, he's raided the um, the armory and then she's getting parts of the armory and it's like aha, I have this and then haha, well I have that. And like you know, a, a kids playing with action figures and just slamming them together. Yeah, you know, he's and I thought that might have been fun. I, no, I, I I don't disagree with you guys. I still had fun with the book. Mm-hmm. That's fun. <laughs> but talking about taking action figures and slamming them together, that's going to head us into my first book. But why don't we uh, talk about our next beers first? So before we get into those action figures smashing together, final beers. Paul, I'm drinking another one that you had sent me from 42 North Brewing. Uh, you had this last, was it last week or maybe the week before on the show? I had it a couple weeks before that. But this is the Chinoo Brew Imperial Stout. 
Um, again, I've had this on the show before. Uh, the first one I had on the show, and then I drank two more. Just as like my get home from work, watch a movie, enjoy life kind of beer. Um, since I had two other beers to drink to talk about on the show, I was like, well, I can just have this one on the show before, even though I talked about it, because I just didn't want to go buy beer today. Um, I still really enjoyed this one. Uh, for those that didn't listen before, Chinoo Brew, brewed by 42 North Brewing, uh, based off of a comic book coming out from Graham Nolan, the co-creator of DC Comics Spain. Um, I don't remember what this was brewed with. Uh, says right on here, blackberries, cherries, no soup, chocolate, vanilla, and dark stone fruit. Yeah, it has all of that. It's just a nice, tasty, drinkable stout. And it's like 70 degrees here in Florida right now. Uh, but I think drinking this on like a cold night would be absolutely like magical. It's a, it's a great beer, though. So I'm glad you went back and were able to finally get it, Paul. It's at, I think, all the local stores now. I don't think it was that limited of a release. I, think, I don't think any of the 42 North <coughs> really sell out. Um, what's your favorite sour from them, Paul? Uh, probably... Uh, Halt Who Goes There. Yeah. Halt Who Goes There is one that is usually just released at the brewery. Um, I think if you wanted to be able to pick up... Because there was two different labels for the Chinook... Um, if you wanted to be able to get both labels, you could go to the brewery and get both. Um, I did not realize that. Now I feel like... Oh, you messed I, up, I, Paul. I know, because I got you the label that apparently that I got also at the store. So, yep. Yeah, that's... Nope. Uh, I, like, my store, the couple cases I brought in are different labels. Because, oh. yeah, this one has the Chinu, which is like a Yeti, like, Wampa-type cryptid on it slashing through some snow yeah there you go chris you got the limited edition hey yeah right yeah yeah exactly (laughs) merry christmas oh i'm gonna save that can then uh and i'm drinking something but i'm more interested in what you're drinking i'm drinking from grim this is their arpa darpa 692 uh, and this is a beer made with experimental hop 692, which has been recently given the code name Talus. Uh, but what's interesting, guys, and you'll find this interesting. How is Talus spelled? Yeah. I'm just curious. T A L U S. Okay, because if it was O S, it would be Talus, which is one of like the gods in the Elder Scrolls universe. So I was just curious. Uh, but this. Uh, HBC 692, or, or Talus, uh, is from the breeders who brought us Citra and Mosaic hops, and they've developed in their underground biobunker a new hop, Mutant, derived from Neomexis parentage, a blossoming aroma of sweet creamsicle, papaya, dried rose wafts from your glass, the palate follows the nose with additional notes of zesty pink grapefruit, black peppercorn, a complex, promising new hop. And this is good. This reminds me a lot of um, um, Sriracha Ace 
from Brooklyn, which I really loved. It's like they took that buttery, tart lemon, grapefruity, and turned it to 11 versus it being like at a six. Um, it's really, it's really good. It's really bright with that grapefruit. And then it's that really wonderful, like Chardonnay mouth, buttery mouthfeel. Uh, I like it. I would have it again, but it's not something that I would be like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to pound this beer. Cause it's really big and bold on the palate. I'm glad I drank this last cause I almost drank it first. And I think it would over, it would overcut like my palate would not taste everything else after this as good as I did drinking it the way I, I did with the stout, the double, and then this. Paul. I am drinking also from left hand brewery because that's the variety pack I picked up because I'm lazy like that. Uh, this is their peanut butter milk stout because we were talking about it earlier on the show. <coughs> and this tastes like not a Reese's peanut butter cup. So, <coughs> Are they Palmer chocolate of peanut butter? They like they're in the shape of the bell, Christmas bells. I I've received them in stockings. I've never bought them. I wouldn't know who what they're called. Right, you're right. Because they're just wrapped in you know, foil. They're wrapped in foil. But I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. They're mostly more pe- uh, the peanut butter ratios like through the roof through the thin veil of chocolate that you get in the on those uh, you know those Christmas bells and it's, you know. Just a few weeks after Christmas, so maybe that's why it's top of mind. But it's got that kind of a nutty, dirty, peanut buttery taste to it, and I don't get much chocolate malt off of it at all. It's not bad. It's just uh, I just want people to be aware uh, like when they, you see think it's called peanut butter milk stout. It's not promising you that. It's just on the label you got the Reese's peanut butter cups like there. Chris, you had the nitro version of this. Didn't no, you? I had I had just the regular version of it because it was the same can. Okay, and I remember not being impressed by it, so I actually just yeah. looked up my check in on Untapped. I had it October twenty third, twenty twenty. I gave this a two seven five because I I was yeah. let down by it because based off of what I know and love from just the original Left Hand Milk Stout, I was expecting a lot more like that kind of like chocolate flavor from it, mm-hmm. and I think it was all just kind of like watery peanut beer yeah it's more peanut and it has a weird kind of aftertaste that hits me in the back like <coughs> but it might just because i had dental work done yesterday like in the, on my back molars no i i don't think you're wrong it it just it wasn't great and i remember being let down by it based off of like everything else i've had from left hand yeah i'm happy to go back to my chai and you know what I'm oh, happy to go back to? Tr- try mixing them, Paul. Nope. Not a good You just stepped on my segue. Try, tr- try it again. You know what I'm happy to go back to? Back Peanut butter. to the future. Because oh. <laughs> we're going to head into my books now. I got two of them. Uh, we're going to start off with Transformers Back to the Future, number one. Written by Kevin Scott, who is actually going to wind up doing the... Wars book that we're going to be reading in January. The uh, the was the the High Republic number one uh, art by Juan Samu, and this is telling the story of Back to the Future, 
with Transformers in it, where Back to the Future plays out as you know and love it. It just so happens to be that the Decepticons are looking into Doc Brown's time travel uh, technology, and they wind up stealing it, and then the future that uh, Marty wakes up in isn't like that idealized 1980s that he had with his dad being a sci-fi writer, his mom still being Leah Thompson. Um, but instead he wakes up with Hill Valley being like an Energon, Energon cube, like farming facility. Biff's like the head of like... The Gestapo. <laughs> Gestapo, like... He's like a weird, like, overseer. Um, it's bizarre. And this book's better than I expected it to be. But at the same time, it's exactly what I expected it to be. But I had kind of fun with it where it's, yeah, it's Back to the Future. It's Transformers. Someone took those action figures kept mashing them together and then this is the story that we got um i won't be picking up number two but i'm not mad that i bought number one like it it has enough of what i love of back to the future because i'm not a huge transformers fan even though it's kind of like omnipresent in the stuff that i like because i grew up in the 80s and 90s so it's like yes this is a thing that i should know and love and like but I was always a bigger Back to the Future fan, one of my favorite movie franchises. Uh, and there's enough, like, good, fun Back to the Future stuff here that kind of, like, sells me on, like, the dumb Transformers, like, Ravager and Pile Driver and, like, Megatron. I don't know. <clears throat> What's funny is when I finished reading this book, my thought was. I should make some type of reference to, oh, you got peanut butter in my chocolate and chocolate in my peanut butter. And then with Paul drinking that Reese's, I was like, <laughs> when's my time to use this thing? Um, because it is that. It, it The two don't, they don't need to go together at all. And it is shoehorning the two franchises together. <clears throat> I didn't, I didn't mind this book. And I actually thought, like, because I had read about half of it, and then I had to go get my son up from his nap. And when I came down, when I was able to finish reading it, somebody had like was already like halfway through the halfway through the book, and I was like, "Oh man, they're at the end of the book. I'm going to need the thumb far back." And I was like, "Oh, I, I, I really wasn't that far back." Um, I could have called it right away, and. It's definitely on the cover, but I didn't pay attention to the cover when I started reading it. That like, oh, the DeLorean's going to be a, uh, the DeLorean's definitely going to be a, a Transformer. Oh, that was, that was the selling point <laughs> for me when I picked this as my, uh, my, the look pick, the list, list. Yeah. So like as the thin thumbnail, like that you would click on the book, you couldn't tell. I thought it was just a Transformer. And then I just started scrolling right in, so I didn't really pay attention to it. Um, but, yeah, like, obviously it couldn't be a standalone 
single issue. I'm happy that we read this because it is kind of, it is fun. But yeah, I wouldn't want to read issue two. But I'm happy that we had read it because I'm a huge Back to the Future guy. I defend Back to the Future 2. And that's a hard thing to do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, like, it was... F- there's enough of that Back to the Future framework here that if you're a fan of that franchise, like, you're going to pick up on those notes. Like, when you get Marty, like, kind of, like, collapsing into his bed, like, you see him do, like, multiple times in the movies because, like, every time he gets dropped off at home, it's nighttime, he's just over his day, he collapses into bed, and then he wakes up in some unknowable future. So, like, him waking up and, like, his dad's like, come on, like, gotta go farm Energon. She's like, whoa, Doc, that's heavy. Uh, It took me a second to realize that that was his family. Because his dad looks so diesel in it. I was like, (laughs) he's like, all that time working in the mill. He doesn't... (laughs) He doesn't look that skinny. And I was like, who are these people? And then I like, I'm like going back and I'm looking and it's like, oh, it's his family. Uh, I know. Uh, like looking at it now, like after he wakes up, like I, I can see like Lorraine and like his sister and his brother. Like I, it, it's a, a close enough, like comic book character version of it. Like, but yeah, his dad's like pretty sad. It's, yeah, and it wasn't like I scrolled back and then I saw his mom, and it's totally like, it's totally it's Fat the, it, Leah Thompson it's, in it. Yeah, it's, it's the Fat Lorraine. She's got that happy weight on. Um, I wish they did a better job drawing Biff, because I love, I love Biff as a bad guy. Uh, I think he looks like a doofus villain. I, yeah. I, I like his he, shape. He's <laughs> wearing like an oversized suit and everything. I'm saying facially. Like, it's just... A guy, you know? And I have to say, like, it doesn't See, look... I it, can't remove myself from it because I read it, and, like, the very first thing he says is McFly. So, like, right from the get-go, I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, it's it's Biff. Like, Yeah, but I, you know, because even the characters look close enough, but it it's not a, like, it doesn't look like Michael J. Fox. It it doesn't look like Christopher Lloyd. Like, in the sense of it's an older guy with big, poofy white hair, yes. Yes? Uh, oh, yes, because they don't have the rights to use the likenesses, likenesses of Michael J. Fox or Doc Brown. Yeah, but even the Dark Horse comic books and some of the Marvel stuff, they don't have the, the likenesses rights for those guys, but they still draw them... A little better than than these are. I don't know but, it's it's close enough. Like I like going from like panel to panel, a page to page. Like I see a dude standing there, like holding a skateboard. He's got like the plaid shirt on. He's that's where did that, like I get it. Where did that skateboard come from to begin with? Too, it's just out in the I middle of this field. Of that's the, how it works. That's Back to the Future, about. baby. Uh, and then he falls. The scar star screen falls into a manure. Jones's manure. Jones's fertilizer, sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's it's I, the, stupid. It's fun though. Like it's it's so stupid. <laughs> I, the guy got the the guy the artist was hired because he can draw robots really well. Because the robots look amazing in this. 
with facial expressions, which is not easy to do on robots. Um, I will say, like, the, the character likenesses are much more in line with the Back to the Future cartoon from, like, 1992 mm-hmm. more than the movies, but... I think this is kind of one of my more favorite, like, nostalgia relaunches of a book. Like, outside of, like, the Power Rangers, the villain's head, um... Oh, what was the other... Oh, crap. We read something else that I was gonna, like, throw in um, with these. We did He-Man, we did the Thunder... I mean, just in general, like, the Thundercats uh, one uh, I thought was really good. Forever ago. I mean, they, that's like two thousand. It's like um, two thousand. Like, I, or something. I think this is a more enjoyable. Like, hey, we're gonna take these things and like put it out in this format now. Uh, version then, like, depending on like what else I got coming out this month, I might buy number two. Like, I had kind of enough fun with it that it's like, if it's a light week and I want to pick up a comic book, just like sit down. Like, drink a beer, read a comic. I, I might do number two. Um, we won't have to do it for, like, the January look back, but I like this book enough that I'm like, yeah, like, I had fun with it. I would read more, you know. It definitely feels like it's what if Transformers were in the same world as Back to the Future. So that much, in fact, you're watching Back to the Future with Transformers at one point. The very beginning of the book, that's all that's happening. It's that you're watching Back to the Future with two Oh, yeah. Icons. Back to the Future and then Pile Driver's just, like, watching what's happening. It's like, I don't know I was sent here. It's just people hanging out in a parking lot. He <laughs> went back in time? Like <laughs> They made the reference to Twin Pines Mall. And then never made another reference to Lone Pine Small, which I was kind of... Well, because at that point, they... Doc goes back to the past, Marty wakes up, and then the Decepticons have already stolen the machinery at that point. So, he's waking up and like... Marty has his whole adventure. He's like, hey, it must be time travel. He didn't just teleport... Or maybe, uh, what does he say? Well, maybe it's teleportation because the kid that was that was driving the car is now back. Well, I think they're... That, that's part of the future, though, because Marty comes back exactly when he left, so, like... And then he's wearing... Doc is wearing the bullet. <coughs> yeah, so... But I, but I think, like, Marty because... has his, his adventure, but he comes back, and, like, yeah, the movie happened, but now when Doc's about to go on his adventure, that's when, like, the Decepticons make their play. And Paul, I think they're part of when they arrived there. It was two pines. They saw the, they saw him disappear. They saw him come back. In their minds, it's still two pines because it changed, the time frame changed around them. Much like, oh, we'll leave her on her doorstep. Everything will be fixed if we fix everything. Everything will go back to normal when she wakes up. So they don't know that that's no longer Two Pine Mall. But Doc is wearing the bulletproof vest. Yeah. So I don't think Marty had to have his adventure. I already closed exactly. out of it. I, I don't think there's just another establishing, 
side of the mall, like, after he comes back, because, like, we already know at that point that Back to the Future has played out, and now we're jumping into the story when he goes home and wakes up, and then it's like, whoa, life's different now. We spent too much time on it, on such a nitpicky thing. I But I want to keep talking about it, because I get it, and you're not, and I want to explain it to you. <laughs> so, okay, John. Hold on, I have, right. a, I, like, I have you, a text message from John here, and he okay. told it. So... Okay, it's a so when the Decepticons arrived, right? It was Twin Pines. Twin Pines, as it should be. Yes, they watched Marty go back into the past. Uh huh. Marty has his adventure. He runs over the tree, so now it's it's one tree. Lone Pine. It's it's a Lone Pine Mall. And now it comes back. Marty comes back. But. Because they witnessed the time travel, they're almost part of it, that they wouldn't have seen that picture, that sign change. So to oh. them, it's still Twin Pines because they it changed around them. They never looked back at that sign. Yeah. Yeah, that's just what I said. There's never just like another establishing shot to show that everything has changed. Like You're just seeing it like after everything's played out. But it's like when they leave Jennifer on her doorstep... In that ghetto world, if they fix the time frame, she'll wake up in her normal 1985. So, so my want of them calling out that, you know, they originally call out that it's Twin Pines, and I wish they would have made a reference that it is now Lone Pines. Yeah. It's still valid. In a it's way, a valid but also, I, like I said, where the hell did that skateboard come from? Because it's a work camp, and you guys are like... It's fucking Back to the Future. Shut up, said, John. No, no. What I said was, I was thinking it was going to turn into an Autobot at any moment. Like, <laughs> I know that it's, sca- it still could. They they ran over Ravage, who was just an audio cassette tape. Yeah. It could still be an Autobot. Yeah, the skateboard could still. It could be. Yeah, Marty. I know. I'm just saying, Hill Valley. There's just skateboards everywhere. What I, what I do know is the individual books that we bought, I think we all liked more than what everybody else bought. But the book we all bought <laughs> is that... We all have different opinions on. Do we? Because it, it probably was my favorite book of the month. Um, okay. Nope. Paul, I, I, Paul, Paul's disagreeing. I, I would not because this is probably my number one from the month too, and this is Batman Catwoman number one, uh, written by Tom King, art by uh, Clayman, and this is kind of a Batman Catwoman story through the years. Um, and not only that, bringing back the Phantom Menace. With the Phantom Menace? Apollo, yeah. watch that movie. You mean the Phantasm? You mean the Phantasm? Oh, Phantasm. Jeez. It's only because you talked about Star Wars. <laughs> Nobody knows we talked about that, though. <laughs> we had a big conversation about it. Side uh, conversation. We did Patreon it on one of our pauses. Which we don't even offer. Uh, the Phantasm. Um, which is just the first time that that uh, uh, has ever been in comic books. It was only in the movie, and they never referenced it until this comic book, which I, I loved. I loved it. And they even reference what happens in 
the movie. Yeah, um, it's a weird story told across time where you're seeing stuff kind of like interspliced where Batman's hanging out with Catwoman. You have Catwoman meeting up with an old friend at a trailer park. Uh, you have Batman talking to, I'm blanking on her name, Andrea. I'm trying to find the, it. The woman I who can't... turned out to be, it was his paramour, but she was also the phantasm who's coming to Bruce because her son is now missing. Um, so it's kind of a mystery through three eras. Um, Andrea Beaumont. Uh, Beaumont. Yeah. Are you just saying that, or is that actually no? It's it Beaumont. Okay, because that's just what I jumped into my mind as I'm like flipping through the pages. Um, Tom King can write a good Batman book, guys. I don't know if you are aware of that. We've we've dabbled in his Batman books. We've liked them and we've disliked them over the last couple of years that he was doing it. Because. Mm-hmm. We enjoyed, like, we enjoyed it the start of the Joker Riddler War. <coughs> Chris, you and I enjoyed the date night with uh, Superman, Lois, and Batman and, yeah. and Catwoman. Paul, Paul did not. I and I was the one that bought it and brought it to the table. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what they're trying to do. I don't care. Um, but, uh, yeah, this one, it just seems. It's a black label book, and I just got to remember it's a black label book that stands on its own because I kept on like, okay, where are we? When are we? What's happening? And then with the time jump in there, I kind of got even more lost. Where I kind of knew it was an old, you could tell it was an older Catwoman, and I'm like, okay, so what? So okay, Bruce is now dead. What are they trying to say here? What are they doing? I just didn't feel. Like, there was anything to latch on to that made me really want to read issue two. Other than the Mask of the Phantasm girl is coming back. But she already came back. Because we're already in the future with Selena hanging out with now zombie Joker. I'm guessing he's a zombie or, you know, I uh, think just Baggins Joker. When he he's... sees the ring again. <laughs> kind of go, ah. No, his, his toupee falls off, and he shows his he can show his grin because he's laughing. Fighting it, I thought he was fighting her neck. No, because she's like, I can finally kill you, and it, mm-hmm. and he's like, ah, ha ha ha, and he shows who he is. Which I was like, when you first see him, I thought he might have been like an older Riddler. Like, I knew he was in the rogues gallery, so I was trying to figure out who he was. And then they have that flash where they go and talk to the sewer king, and I was like, oh, is it him? But he's got an eye patch. This guy doesn't. And then when the Joker popped up in the book, I was like, is he an older Joker? Like, it just was interesting to see where it was going to go. See, I didn't get that Joker connection until, like, you get that payoff where... Like the toupee falls off, and like you see him, like kind of clutching her, and he starts laughing. I just read it as like, oh well, this is someone that knows who like Selena Kyle is, because she does have those kind of like side characters, you know, like the Holly Robinsons, the Slam Bradleys, like the people that she kind of interacts with just in her normal life outside 
the the capperling stuff that know who she is and what she's doing and like to have her just interacting with like a random person in the trailer park like it didn't seem that like out there and like I didn't question it because this is just someone that kind of knows who she is and what her life has been that she's having that kind of like moment of freedom with that she can talk to and be like oh yeah like he's gone now like the entire his entire family was there like she's still playing it kind of coy and now looking back like yeah she does have those moments when she is talking to the joker and like that like current day stuff where he's like you know who he is yeah you gonna tell me no like it's always kind of just that like it's that mystery that she's not going to play into because she's kind of viewing it from like those two separate sides of her life. Like the Catwoman versus the Selena Kyle stuff. Like she can kind of draw that delineation there. And I, I really like the Joker and her having that conversation because he's like, you know, this isn't who you are. Well, who am I? Well, you're fun. Like, like I really liked those, I really liked. I, I, I. Oh, that joke I, doesn't work when you're saying it out loud. Like, <laughs> I really liked. I was going to say I really liked that part, but I really liked like all the parts of this book. Paul, where are we wrong? I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying it doesn't hit for me. You know, it just. I, I kept on like, okay, where is this going? What am? What part of the story? is interesting to me to make me read issue two and neither part, the future part didn't grasp me because it seems like, okay, she just ended it. If she kills the Joker right there. So what part of that future story am I interested in? Nothing. Bruce Wayne's dead. Batman's dead. His whole family's moved on. She's moving on by just going, I'm, maybe she's going on a road trip. Just, Getting vengeance left, right, and center, like anybody that wronged her and Bruce going on a killing spree? I don't know. And do I want to know? Not really. And then the Mask of the Phantasm stuff, since I already see the future where Bruce Wayne is dead, like, is that an interesting story? Because obviously, that may, maybe the Mask of the Phantasm. Maybe it's the phantasm that finally does her in, does them in. Like, who knows? Ten years from now, I don't think so. I think you're old, but not that much older. I think she's meant to look older. I mean, look at the look how the Joker looks. The Joker's missing most of his hair. He's he's yeah, but the Joker lives it hard, man, with all the chemicals. <laughs> I lives, I think he lives it clean. I think this is definitely you're looking thirty years into their future, like. Huh. I think Bruce died of just old age kind of a thing. And I think it's going to be interesting to see where this goes, because I think you're going to have the fun tie in with the phantasm. And you can predict that the Joker probably kills her. He already killed her son. I think he's going to kill her and it's going to be the thing that, Bruce always, I think Bruce is something that, that he's always wished that maybe he did stop the Joker. Stop him from killing Jason. Stop him from crippling Barbara. Stop him from killing his first love. 
the love that almost made him give up being Batman. And the last thing Selena can do for her husband is finally end the Joker. And I think that could be where this is going. But also, like, I, in my reading this, I was just kind of along for the ride and see where it goes. I am not, I was not thinking about predicting any of this stuff till I had this conversation with you. Yeah, to I, say where I think this is where it probably will go. I hadn't thought about it till just now. I didn't realize this was a black label book because so much of it does kind of draw off the stuff that Tom King did set up in his Batman books where he was kind of pushing that Batman Catwoman like proposed marriage that just didn't happen. Like this still kind of fits into and plays off of that current Batman continuity that I read this just thinking like, Oh, like this is the next part of that story. Like it's not being told in Batman or Catwoman. They're just doing like a side book. Um, and it wasn't until I actually read this that you get that kind of like supposed future. That was like, Oh, okay. It is black label. Interesting. But I like that. It reads as kind of like a continuation of that story and that Batman canon. Uh, I, I really dug it. This is my favorite book of the month. Uh, this would definitely be my number one. Uh, it's, it's a good Catwoman book. Like I've read like so many good Batman books and Catwoman's a little bit kind of harder to nail down and like tell a good story based around like outside, like the, uh, Ed Brubaker, Cameron Scott, and like Darwin Cook stuff that we got again, like early two thousands. Um, and this, know, like this, 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 this was really enjoyable for me. And the fact that it does draw off that like early nineties mask of the phantasm stuff, really cool too. Like, yeah, bring that shit in. Cause I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah. And this, it, this did read this first issue did read more like a Catwoman book than a Batman book. But I think they're going to be, I would imagine they're going to be balancing both of those characters throughout all of them. I'm here for number two. I already bought issue one. Like, <coughs> I um, I think it, it comes out this, it would come out for the books that we were picking for next week. And I said to you guys before that I'd pick number two, but I didn't want to show my hand for the look back. But out of all the books that were out, it'd be the book that I would be picking up number one. Like, Batman Catwoman number two would be my number one pick for next week. But why not talk about a different book? Because we're going to... I planned on gushing over this book uh, right now. Uh, so, Paul, what is your... What's your pick for all of these? You know, I had a lot more fun with Justice League uh, Endless Winter than you guys did. I just, like, for, you guys were along with the ride on, on the Batwoman, uh, or Catwoman Batman book. And I was along for the ride uh, for the Endless Winter. I was just like, I know they called him Barry, but that was still, it felt like Wally. Like, it, it felt like an old school Justice, like Justice League that I got into reading. And I just had a lot of fun. 
Well, yeah, but what's your ranking? Power, power oh, rankings. That would be my number one. Uh, my number two would be... I'm going to pick up the list. Oh, did somebody delete I just did. <laughs> Here. Oh. What a jerk. Paul, you just read them today. You can't remember what I they know. were. We just talked about them. We just talked about them. Then, you know, maybe I would go with... Uh, Modak, really... Catwoman, Batwoman, Catwoman, Batman, okay. uh, or the Transformers Back go, to the Future. Then I would go Modok because that was, you know, for its flaws and how not as much fun as I thought it was going to be. Still still thought it was pretty fun. Then Bat, uh, Batman, Catwoman. Then uh, Transformers Back to the Future. Chris? Uh, for me, Batman, Catwoman, number one. And then Transformers Back to the Future. Both of these are books that I enjoyed enough to be like, hey, you know what, I would pick up number two. Um, number three, Justice League, Endless Winter, it had enough of that nostalgia that kind of sold me on the characters, even though like the overall general plot was still kind of lacking. That could pick up in number two. Like Now that we know what the story's supposed to be, like it could get better. Um, number four, Modoc had games. There's just there's not enough to the story or to Modoc that makes me want to know what's going to happen next. John, uh, and then mine would be Batman, uh, Catwoman, and I'm going to agree with Paul. My number two is Modoc. Uh, then the Transformers: Back to the Future. Then the Justice League, and I like. If I had nothing else going on and wanted to read something, I would buy number two of Modak. I, I wouldn't have a problem with it. But if you My read rankings for beer, <laughs> would be oh. uh, it would definitely be Chai number one. Then the very close second, the Raspberry it was very good, and then uh, last place is peanut butter. Uh, well, I would do the Equilibrium head and shoulders over both beers that I had. Then the Arpa Darpa. And then the extra stout. Uh, for me, the 42 North, there goes in the neighborhood, the blueberry, blackberry, sour. Then the Chinu brew, because that's just a great drinkable stout. And then the orange roll sour from Sideward. Not, not a lot of hard questions there. I was ready to go for all of them. But guys, next week, according to the show notes, episode 434 is going to be our trivia off. So, so hopefully you have your questions ready to go for that, because I know I do. I've been sitting on these for a while. I, I'm excited for them. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, too. I've had a bunch of ideas. I haven't written mine out yet, but I have a couple uh, a couple of things that I'm planning for. Oh, I got uh, some reference material here that I've been reading through just for to uh, come up with some hey. ideas. Oh. So we know won't be uh, any questions about Star Wars: The Phantom Menace because he refuses to watch that one. <laughs> but the the prequels aren't as bad as he remembers. Yeah, and hopefully we're not as bad as you remember. And you're looking forward to everything else that we have coming out. Uh, rate and review us over on, on your pod catching app of choice. Emails over at bangboardcast at gmail .com. Like us on all of our social medias. We're on. The Twitters, the Facebooks, the Instagrams. We do all of the things. I don't know. I don't know what else. Someone else take it. Hey, we do all the things. 